Super quick announcement before I get into today's episode. So I am in the process of building my very first course. So I have a lot of ideas and thoughts going out into the future about, you know, fitness courses, finance courses, even some faith courses if we ever get to that point. But right now I have built a fat loss course. I'm calling it Full Throttle Fat Loss. And the full complete version is going to be set to launch at the end of this year, probably sometime in November. And this thing, man, I am trying to make this into the most comprehensive source or resource that you can find anywhere when it comes to fat loss, right? I've been in the fitness world now for many, many, many years. And growing up, some of you guys already know my story. I grew up as a very big kid. My whole family is overweight, out of shape. I was made fun of. I was picked on. I was all those things. And then by God's grace alone, I turned it around when I graduated high school. I discovered competitive bodybuilding and the rest is history. But I say all that to say that I've made a ton of mistakes along the way. But one thing I think I've kind of figured out is how to lose fat and how to do it effectively and efficiently. So I'm building out a course with everything, man. PDFs, checklists, Google tracking sheets that have formulas built in to keep you on track, videos explaining the content, videos demonstrating the exercise, the exercises, private Facebook groups where all of the people in the program can communicate with one another and encourage one another and motivate one another. You guys can ask each other questions. You can ask me questions, all that stuff. When the full version launches later this year, it is not going to be cheap because I think that this thing is going to provide a ton of value. But what I am looking for right now is I am looking for some beta testers to go through a beta version of the program. It's going to be a nine-week version. It's going to be set to launch sometime around the middle of September. And I'm only looking for about 12 to 15 beta testers. And this is really the first public announcement I'm making about this. I did a couple of things. I sent out an email to some people and I made an announcement on the Facebook group. Uh, not the Facebook group, but the face the weekly uh, Facebook Q&A event the last couple Tuesdays, and they're already almost filled up. I already have pretty much almost, well, not pretty much almost. I almost have the 15 people that I'm looking for. I've got people that are already pretty interested, and so I wanted to let you guys know there will be a link in the show notes. If you are interested, man, click that link just to get a little bit more information about what the program will entail. And if you're interested, let me know. And if it makes sense for you after I learn a little bit more about what you're trying to do, then we will try to get you in the beta group. And it won't be free, but it will be a a significantly reduced discounted rate. And if you are part of the beta group, then you will be grandfathered in to all full versions and all updates and permanent access to the Facebook group. So I wanted to mention that. But uh, without further ado, man, let's get into today's podcast. Jim Schultz here for the F-Cube podcast. Man, we are back and I've got a fun little topic for you guys tonight. You might hear my wife in the background with my daughter. It is bedtime, so my apologies if you guys have a little extra background audio but tonight baby we are talking tonight we're going to talk about some farbs which this is a term that i'm pretty sure i just made up i don't think i've seen this term before but man it explains so much so what is a farb 
Well, a farb is quite obviously the combination of fat and carbs. So, in other words, it is perfection. We can just stop the podcast right there. We have all found the holy grail that we are we've been searching for. It is the farb. And so, the reason the reason why I'm kind of intrigued by this, I got to throw a shout out to my man Lane Norton because he didn't use the term farbs, I don't believe. But he he made a post a few weeks ago, and this was an idea that has really been floating around in my idea for a while. And, well, an idea that's been floating around in my mind for a while. But I actually wasn't quite sure how to really verbalize it in a concise way. And Lane basically packaged, packaged it up really nicely, and I'm like, man, that is it. That is, that is the problem. The problem is the farb. And so here's the basic idea. I think that, you know, Carbs are just, so we're talking carbs, not farbs. Carbs, they're just, they're demonized, man, in today's society. I mean, you've got all the keto ninjas, the keto ninjas, keto. (laughs) I kind of sound like uh, Nate Bargetsy there. You've got all the keto ninjas that pop out of the shadows and they're like, oh man, you can't have carbs. Are you crazy? Like, you're out of your mind, bro. You got to get those ketones pumping out of your kidneys, dude. Like, yeah, dude, like, no, like, it's not magic. Like, if you want to do keto, then do keto. And if you are insulin resistant, you know, there might be a benefit. I'm not even totally sold that there is, but at least it makes sense to me logically, given, you know, the little that I understand about kind of biochemistry. But it's not magic. I mean, it's really not magic at all. So that being said... I think when a lot of people say, oh man, I can't have carbs, or oh man, like I'm eating too many carbs, I need to scale back the carbs. Like actually what they're usually referring to are farbs, not not carbs. They're referring to the fat-carb combo that is found in things like pizza, or cookies, or donuts, or most like breads, like really good bread. It's not just going to be carbs, it's going to be, there's going to be some fats in there too. Especially when you start getting in like, you know, with like butter and that kind of stuff. So it's really the farb that is under the microscope, not the carb. Because I don't know about you guys, but ain't nobody overeating on some oranges. Ain't nobody going to overeat on some oatmeal. Now, you can do it just like if you're in keto. You can overeat on bacon or avocados or olive oil. You go drink half a bottle of olive oil, you're going to put on some weight. I don't care how few carbs you consume. And so it's the same idea here that you could overeat on some oranges or some sweet potato or some oatmeal or some broccoli. Now, it would be really, really, really hard to do that. And that's why we never hear about it. And so that's why I always laugh when I hear people say like, you know, oh man, I got to scale back on the carbs. And maybe you do. But I'll also hear them say like, oh man, I've just, I've cut out carbs. You know, I'm like, all right, well, what are you eating? They're like, well, I'm just eating vegetables. I'm just eating fruits. You know, I'm just eating whole foods. And I always kind of laugh because I'm like, do you realize that those are carbs? Like those are carbohydrates. The key difference is they don't have fat. The key difference is an orange is purely carbohydrate. Oatmeal, purely carbohydrate with only a little bit of fat. Sweet potato, purely carbohydrate. And so the real problem, the real issue is something that I've been just trying to shout from the rooftops 
whenever I get the opportunity to. It's not carbs. It's not fats. It's excess. It's not carbs or fats. It's farbs, man. It's having the two together. You just end up pushing your body into a caloric surplus so quickly and so rapidly, a lot more rapidly than a lot of people realize, I think. And so that's why pizza can be so damaging to your diet. That's why people don't typically eat donuts or brownies or pastries, right? Now, I mean, I'm, I'm the biggest flexible dieter that you'll meet. And I still don't eat those things when I'm in a cutting phase. Not because I can't, but just because most of the time, it just doesn't make sense, right? Most of the time, I'm going to chew through so many of my fat grams and my carb grams so quickly without a whole much, without a whole lot to show for it that it just doesn't make any sense. Now, I actually have another podcast idea that came to my mind while I was doing my cardio this evening about why it is so important to include those things on a regular basis. And it actually has nothing to do with the fact that you can or that you're flexible. It's actually for another reason altogether. But we'll get into that at that time. But I just want to throw out there, man, it's not fat. It's not carbs. Farbs are the demon, right? If you want to condemn something, if you want to chastise something on the macronutrient scale, it's got to be the farb, man. It's got to be the farb. But I'd be very careful about doing that too because that's where all the delicious food comes from. Oatmeal by itself, not that awesome. Oatmeal with peanut butter, pure awesomeness. Rice Krispies by themselves, well, Rice Krispies by themselves, pretty awesome. But that's the one exception to the rule in that a purely carbohydrate source is pretty incredible. Chocolate, awesome. Why? It's a farb. So that's all I got for you guys tonight, man. I hope that was, uh, I hope that maybe made you smile, maybe made you laugh, whatever. You know, hit me up on social media, man. Throw me some farbs hashtags. Throw me some farbs, you know, uh, notes about what you guys thought about this. Uh, At Jay Schultz, F3 across the board. And, uh, yeah, man, that's it. We will see you guys on Friday. Guys, if you guys have a group or organization or business or conference or whatever, and you think an F-Cube talk would make sense, man, please let me know. I would love to be a part of that conversation. I would love to have have an opportunity to come and speak to your people. Fitness, finance, faith, individually, some blend of the three, whatever. Hit me up, social media, at jschultzf3, email jschultzf3 at gmail. Just let me know and let's make it happen. Jim Schultz here for the FQ Podcast. Man, it is a Friday. I am at the airport. And I have like zero minutes. So we <laughs> So we're gonna be real quick like today. This is gonna be the shortest podcast in F Cubed history. And I really just wanted to comment on an email that I got from one of the the F Cubed followers or viewers or listeners or whatever you want to call them. But he had a great question. He said, Jim, you know, I've heard you mention before that the markets are random. And they're unpredictable. What I want is I want somebody to prove to me that the markets are random. I want you to prove to me 
that the randomness hypothesis is what I need to follow and what I need to believe in? And I said, man, that is a great question. That is a great question, but I'm actually going to flip it around on you. Because when you think about, well, you guys might not think about this because you're not a, you know, you're not an abnormal, unusual person like I am. But when I think about mathematical models and when I think about like asset pricing models and just like how stock markets or stock prices are determined, the models all assume randomness. The models all assume that the markets follow what has been commonly referred to as a random walk. And to me, when I look at the markets, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to start with your baseline assumption as randomness. And the reason why I think that makes sense is because there is so ma- there are so many things happening concurrently in the stock market or the financial markets that it is going to be very, very difficult to start from a place of predictability. And so when I think about that question and when I think about the markets as a whole, I think about them in the same way that our legal or justice system works. You are innocent until proven guilty. You are innocent until a jury of your peers and the courts decide you are not. And when I look at the financial markets, I kind of conclude they are random. The burden of proof is on you to show me that they are not. And I think part of the re- another reason why that makes a lot of sense is there have been there's been so much research and literature and and studies that have been dedicated to trying to show that the markets are not random. And none of them have been able to produce anything worthwhile that is noteworthy, that is long-lasting, that is sustainable. And so the markets are random until otherwise proven. The markets are innocent until proven guilty. So that's it, baby. You guys have a great weekend. Jim Schultz here for the FQ Podcast. Man, it is a Friday. I am at the airport and I have like zero minutes. So we <laughs> So we're gonna be real quick like today. This is gonna be the shortest podcast in F Cubed history. And I really just wanted to comment on an email that I got from one of the the F Cubed followers or viewers or listeners or whatever you want to call them. But he had a great question. He said, Jim, you know, I've heard you mention before that the markets are random. And they're unpredictable. What I want is I want somebody to prove to me that the markets are random. I want you to prove to me that the randomness hypothesis is what I need to follow and what I need to believe in. And I said, man, that is a great question. That is a great question, but I'm actually going to flip it around on you. Because when you think about well, you guys might not think about this because you're not a, you know, you're not an abnormal, unusual person like I am. But when I think about mathematical models and when I think about like asset pricing models and just like how stock markets or stock prices are determined, the models all assume randomness. 
the models all assume that the markets follow what has been commonly referred to as a random walk. And to me, when I look at the markets, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense to start with your baseline assumption as randomness. And the reason why I think that makes sense is because there is so there are so many things happening concurrently in the stock market or the financial markets that it is going to be very very difficult to start from a place of predictability. And so when I think about that question and when I think about the markets as a whole, I think about them in the same way that our legal or justice system works. You are innocent until proven guilty. You are innocent until a jury of your peers and the courts decide you are not. And when I look at the financial markets, I kind of conclude they are random. The burden of proof is on you to show me that they are not. And I think part of the re- another reason why that makes a lot of sense is there have been there's been so much research and literature and and studies that have been dedicated to trying to show that the markets are not random. And none of them have been able to produce anything worthwhile that is noteworthy, that is long-lasting, that is sustainable. And so the markets are random until otherwise proven. The markets are innocent until proven guilty. So that's it, baby. You guys have a great weekend.